Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Jula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Darnell Nurse! Elects not to shoot. Pressure by Gerard. Then threw him aside to the net. Back for one-timer score! Connor McDavid ends the game! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The hit along the wall, a puck to the left point, kept in by Orbit, down in front, a shot, and they score! And it's Devontae Smith-Pelly on a save at a left point! DSP save of the day! We're tied at three with 10.08 to go! Sending it back in along the left-hand side, 7.40 to go. Puck in front, Connolly with a chance, a shot, they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Eller! All we need is a puck drop and release the hounds. Eller for the draw. And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974. The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. The little franchise that couldn't has finally proven that it can. The Washington Capitals. Tough, resilient, timely, and they win the Stanley Cup coming from behind in the third period last night to beat the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 5. John Walton with the call from the Capitals Radio Network, and of course you heard it right here on 6.30 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. Into the weekend we go. Hope you're having a great Friday so far. Craig Lachlan is a former Washington Capital, now a broadcaster with the team. Craig, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Reed, I'm doing great today. Can't get any better than this. Pretty amazing stuff. Excellent regular seasons for, well, you know, going back a long time, the Capitals used to finish first in the old Southeast Division quite a bit. They've uh, been pretty good the last few years, obviously, some uh, some President's Trophies. And then this year, despite, you know, being sixth overall, it was odd how a lot of people, Craig, including me, even didn't give them much of a chance to get by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So it's funny, the expectations changed, and so does the result. We'll start generally. How do you look at the playoff run as a whole? Ray, that's uh, exactly what happened. I mean, you look at the start of the year overall, and I had picked them as a wild card at best, let alone maybe they might have been outside looking in. And the playoffs overall, you know, started with a little controversy. The addition of Grubauer instead of Holpe starting between the pipes. And you know what? That that was probably the right decision at the time. And then he put gave the hook to Grubauer and in comes Holpe. 
And I think the turning point of this whole season, and I've been here since 82, the turning point of the season was Lars Eller quadruple ricochet off his foot, his leg, off a stick of Columbus D-man and in the net. And to me, that never happened in our past playoff history. And it was usually we were on the other end of that, and it was lights out for our franchise. And all of a sudden now... We get the break of the century. We win in double overtime. The series is now at 2-1. to one, And all of a sudden now, we felt confident. I think the first two games, we both lost in overtime on home ice. It was going to Columbus. It could have been 3-zip. Instead, it's 2-1. to one. And from that point forward, we've had a lot of different bumps and valleys and peaks along the way. But you said it at the top. This is a resilient bunch. They really persevered, and that was a culmination. We finally got a Stanley Cup, much like the Oilers have had over their years, many of them. We would like to add to this, but obviously one is very, very pleasing here in Washington. You mentioned the resilience, Craig, and I, I kind of tongue-in-cheek off the top of the show said they, they've been the little franchise that couldn't. They finally did it. Was was that? Un, I mean, you're you've been around the team for a long time, playing and broadcasting, and I and I want to get some of your playing memories too. But was that characterization that they were somehow a flawed team or a mentally weak team, or or, or maybe not as strong uh, between the years as some other clubs? That was kind of what they were labeled from the outside looking in for a few years. You know, was that fair? How do you look at that? I think it's fair. I really do. I, I think that, you know, a lot of people point the fact that, well, they couldn't get over the hump of Pittsburgh. Well, a lot of the time in the playoffs, it's mental over your physical side. And I thought the Capitals were so mentally tough. And, and I think, Reed, the biggest change here was probably Barry Trotz. You know, we went through into the season and we went to probably mid-November. We went to Nashville, got whacked 6-3. to three. We walk into Colorado two nights later. McKinnon and Ratton and the boys, Ratton and the boys put on a really kicking. They kicked our butt. It was 6-2. We stayed overnight, which usually you fly right home, but we stayed overnight. And I remember talking to Trotz the next morning, and he read a little bit of a riot act to them. Then they went 13-5 and over the next 18. That was a turning point of the season. Then as the season wore along, Reed, he said, look at boys. Here's some video of us not winning battles of us not competing as hard against guys that we should. And the mental side of the game was more in tune. They said, look at boys, we gotta, we got to really focus. We've got to be focused on just one shift, one game, not the big picture. And he took all the outside pressures from me and everybody that had followed the team forever about being, you know, they were going to lose for sure. You get down this series, the Caps are going to fold. They're going to crumble. They're not going to be strong enough. And all of a sudden, they found that intestinal fortitude to stick with that. And to me, it stems right from their captain, Alex Ovechkin. I've watched every game since he's played, since he's came to us in that draft. So it's been, you know, 10 years or whatever it's been for OV. And he played his best hockey, if you can believe it, Reed, at 32 years of age. It's not even close. He may not have put up 60 goals. But he had played the best he ever has. And I think players take time to get leadership. And Ovi showed leadership this year that I've never seen from him in the past. 
And to me, that characterized the team to a T, and that's why the Capitals made Vegas look like an expansion team in the playoffs. Can, I got to ask about. I got to follow up with Ovechkin. And by the way, incredible Stanley Cup celebration by Ovi. Like, like that's him, right? That, like mm-hmm. the the emotion, the celebration. Is, is it was there, the is, joy is, of the game, Reese? Yeah, that's the joy of the game. That's what he brings. It, but is there an example of of some of the leadership that maybe you saw from him this year that? that wasn't there in the past or just something he's in that area he he learned or improved on? Well, I think he's learned a lot. You know, you got a guy like Brooks Orpik that had won a cup, the only cap that it had in the locker room, learned a lot from Brooks. You've got to pick your points to when you're going to speak in the locker room and to the media and the type of things you're going to say. I really look at OV as being the complete player now. Like you would have you and I would have talked three years ago and I'm sure you would have talked to me about would have said, Craig, you know, Ovi only goes one way. He doesn't play both sides of the puck. He's already leaving the zone before the puck is going out. And you know what? They were correct criticisms. My point was when you had the one of the best goal t- scorers of your generation, why would you want him to play all this tough defense, defense, defense? Well what happened now with Ovi, Barry Trotz went over to Russia at the start of the season and said, look, it, Ovi, you will be a Hall of Famer. You're an instant first ballot HOF. You are going to come down as one of the best goal scorers of our generation ever. And do you want to add something to that? Do you want to add a team something, a team award to that, like the Stanley Cup? And Ovi said, yeah. He says, well, I think you should change your training a little bit. I think you should become, you know, more, less working on weights and stuff like that, become more mobile, come quicker on the ice and all these things. Well, that's what Ovi did. So all of a sudden in the playoffs, he's blocking shots. He's playing about 12 minutes even strength ice. It's not like, you know, he was playing 24 minutes a game, which he had done in the past, which to me takes away the strength of Alex Ovechkin because you want him to be pounding guys at 225. You want him to be scoring. You want him to be making plays. And I think he got to the comfort zone now, Reed, where he played both sides of the puck. And when you do that and you block shots and you're doing things for the team, it makes you that much better. To me, and this will come back to what the Oilers are facing, he reminds me a lot of Connor McDavid. He really does. And Connor McDavid is going to be an elite player in the league for years and years to come. And he ultimately will win a Stanley Cup. I really do believe that, Edmonton. That's how confident I am of his talent and his leadership. But he's going to have to grow like Ovechkin has grown. And it may take him a while. And I think fans in Edmonton just got to be ready to wait for that time to come because it will happen. And we didn't think it would happen. And all of a sudden it does. The light clicks on. And Ovechkin was our best player in the playoffs, bar none, other than Kuznetsov. And you could have went both ways with the Smythe with either of those two rushes. But Alex Ovechkin was a difference maker for our hockey team. And he is now, to me, monument worthy here in Washington for what he has done here, bringing the Stanley Cup to D.C. Craig Lachlan joining us on Inside Sports Capitals broadcaster. And as I mentioned, Craig, former Capital. You also played with the Kings, Leafs, and Canadians, but most of your career in Washington. You, you were there in the 1980s when the Capitals got good, 
and then first yep. started encountering, uh, you know, those those playoff disappointments or not being able to get over the hump. And Kelly Rudy is a regular uh, guest on this show. 1987 Capitals blew a 3-1 series lead to the Islanders, lost Game 7 yep. in the Easter Epic, four overtimes. Yep. Four times in franchise history, the Capitals have blown a 3-1 series lead. They've also come back twice, but more people remember the times they blew it. Uh, I know, I, I think yeah. you, you were only able to see limited action in that 87 series, but that was kind of the first in a long series of disappointments for the Caps. Reed, that's why I say we lost, because I got hurt game one. Right, well there you go. <laughs> and, and, and I said, why? If I would have played, we wouldn't have lost that game. But that actually a funny story, Reed. That got me into broadcasting because it was me, it was a bunch of our players, it was Mike Bossy on their side that was out. We were all injured. And so we brought in guys like Grant Martin, who only played in the NHL in the playoffs that year because we were so banged up, and the Islanders end up winning. Unfortunately, we ran into the New York Islanders, who were much like the Edmonton Oilers, bringing off three and four Stanley Cups in a row. Just not going to happen anymore. And we ran into hot teams all the time. We'd be great in the Patrick division. Then we'd run into the Islanders. This current Caps team would run into the Pittsburgh Penguins, who end up winning the Stanley Cup. So there's been hurdles along the way. I think this helped in the growth of the Caps this year, the fact that, at training camp, this was the feeling. They felt like they were feeling sorry for themselves. And it was at a point where Barry Trotz pulled them aside in training camp and said, stop feeling sorry for yourself. You're a good hockey team. Go out and compete and commit to team first. And that's been the story of our season. And I look back to my era in the 80s. We ran into the Darn Islanders and Bossy and Trotz and Kelly Rooney and Billy Smith. And you know what? I guess it wasn't meant to be. And I've waited now. I've been in broadcasting 27 years, and I played eight years here, so 35-plus years here in Washington. And you know what? It comes around. And now we're one of the teams that have a cup. Edmonton's fortunate to have a lot of cups. We've got one. There's another dozen teams out or so, I think, in the NHL now that don't have a Stanley Cup. So our town is proud. Ovi is a hero, read more than you ever can know, along with all the role players like a DSP, Devontae Smith-Pelly, and guys like that have created something special here in this town. Craig, great interview. i got to quickly read a a text message here from uh, Southside Rob, who's a regular uh, texter. He says, nice interview with, with Craig. He's uh, the same age as me. I'm not going to read out the age, Rob, or for the age, Craig. I'll leave that to you and Rob. Uh, did you know he was a 10th-round draft pick who made the NHL? Great for Ovi Trotz and their organization. Uh, and he was uh, just saying how Brian McClellan finally uh, finally got to win it. So there you go, Southside Rob, obviously uh, a big fan of your career. And, and as you know, they don't have 10 rounds in the NHL any, anymore. So you, you made the most of it. <laughs> Let me tell you, Reed, one funny story about that before I let you go, before you're going to kick me off the air. When I got drafted, I was sitting at my kitchen table in downtown Toronto. I played at Clarkson University. I absolutely loved my college experience. And at the time in 1976, when I went to college, I never expected to be drafted. Ronnie Caron, bless his heart, drafted me, and he drafted me really late. And I remember my dad sitting at the kitchen table. He worked. He was in the Army. He said, Craig, you've been drafted. And my first words out of my mouth, 
drafted to the Army or the Navy? And he said, no, drafted to the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> and I saw it in a fine little box in the back of the Toronto Star, and I still got the original clipping. There was no hoopla like it is in this day and age. But that was my draft year, and I'm still proud to be drafted by the Montreal Canadiens and scoring my first goal at the Forum. That was the highlight of my career. Craig, we got to do this again. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. Enjoy all the celebrations here with the Washington Capitals, and have a great summer, buddy. Great. You too. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. That is Craig Lachlan checking in. Wow, that was an awesome interview. We got some uh, memories about being drafted from his time playing for the Capitals and covering the long-suffering Capitals franchise. And as he said, regardless of what happens from here on out, they can say they were a franchise who did win the Stanley Cup. It is 6:22. You can text 6:36:30. We do have some Oilers news today. They have a signing and a trade. Not bring na- big names, but we'll bring you the update. And also in this hour, Theo Fleury coming up. You're listening to 6:30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. NHL season ended last night. NBA season could end tonight. Tip off in about 40 minutes. Cavaliers hosting the Warriors in Game 4 of the NBA Finals. The Warriors are looking for the sweep. The Blue Jays and Orioles in a 1-1 tie. That is in the fifth inning. The Edmonton Prospects, 7 o'clock tonight and tomorrow at REMAX Field. They'll be taking on Fort McMurray. The Prospects 3-2 and two out of the gate. We're going to have... Well, I guess now he's kind of a former prospect because uh, he has to leave the team here. Eric Sobrowski, Edmontonian, 20 years of age, drafted on Wednesday by the San Diego Padres in the 14th round of the Major League Baseball draft. Six foot four pitcher, left-handed, throws hard. So he'll be uh, joining the Padres organization on the weekend, hopefully starting the path to a Major League career. Good for Eric. I actually went to Remax Field this afternoon, got to hang out uh, with him for a bit in the uh, Prospects dugout, so got his story. I think you'll want to hear that. That's scheduled between 7.30 and 8 tonight. Alright, so uh, here's what happened with the Oilers today. We'll talk about the Lucic speculation a little bit later on. The Oilers have re-signed forward Patrick Russell to a one-year contract. Farmhand for the last couple of years with the Bakersfield Condors, he is 25 years of age, 68 games, 27 points last season. So there's a, a guy with a little organizational depth. Also, the Oilers traded a conditional seventh-round pick in 2020, seventh round, the final round of the NHL draft, to the Toronto Maple Leafs for forward Nolan VC, And then they also agreed to an entry-level contract with VC. He gets a two-year entry-level because he's already 23. Played the last four seasons at the University of Maine. Had uh, 25 points in 37 games last season. Originally drafted by the Leafs in the sixth round, 158th overall in 2014. He's 6'1", 211, and yes, he is Jimmy VC's brother. So uh, another... Uh, signing for a little depth there by the Edmonton Oilers. The Eskimos will open their season on Thursday at Winnipeg. No Matt Nichols for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Eskimos didn't practice today. No practice tomorrow. They will start their routine of game prep on Sunday. You can get more on the team on 630Ched.com. And Dave Campbell, producer of this show, color analyst for Eskimos broadcast, will join us later on. So Eskimos and Winnipeg on Thursday 5 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 6.30. If you're looking to uh, tune into something tomorrow, 
How about a little horse racing? The Triple Crown is on the line. The Triple Crown is no small feat. Only a dozen horses have done it, most recently American Pharaoh in 2015, and he broke a drought of more than three dozen years. The Belmont is notoriously tough. At a mile and a half, it's longer than either the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness. It was wet and sloppy for those races, but it is no longer expected to rain here. 90,000 spectators will fill the grandstand and grounds at this historic track for the 150th Belmont stakes. Aaron Katursky, ABC News at Belmont Park. All right, so a little horse racing to keep an eye on as well tomorrow. Great to have Craig Lachlan on the show. Theo Fleury is coming up. Legendary hockey coach Dave King as well, both recently inducted into the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame. Blue Jays just went up 2-1 on the Orioles' bottom of the fifth. Thanks to a solo home run by Gritchuk. All right, coming back after the 6.30 News. is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Great day today. Hot tomorrow, could be a little bit stormy. Going to be good, though. Got out for a round of golf. Devin this morning, we're out there early, teed off at 7. I like teeing off early. Get there before the crowd. Mosquitoes, a little bit of a pest on some holes, but that's all right. When I made a bad shot, I just blamed it on the mosquitoes. My playing partner did not believe that was the cause. Uh, a lot coming up tonight. We're going to check in with Eric Sabrowski, pitcher for the Edmonton Prospects. He's been drafted by the San Diego Padres. Dave King, legendary hockey coach, now a member of the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame. We'll check in in about half an hour. And uh, now the reason we're doing this, the uh, Alberta Sports Hall of Fame inductions were uh, just a week ago, one week tonight. So these uh, these guys are getting some attention here. And why wouldn't they? And I'm pleased to welcome to the show one of those inductees, the one and only Theo Fleury. Theo, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's always great to catch up with you. So thanks for coming on the show. And I get to introduce you this way tonight, Theo Fleury, member of the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame. How does that sound? That's good. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was a really cool night uh, to be a part of and uh, glad to have the majority of my family there and, and uh, you know they did a they did an excellent job uh, in Red Deer and uh, yeah you know I guess probably you know reflected a lot on uh, you know all the people that uh, you know that helped me become the hockey player that I was you know going back to you know my minor hockey days in Russell Manitoba and you know all the people that were involved in in that and you know the flames and hockey canada and you know all those amazing experiences i had uh you know playing on both those teams and and uh so yeah it was a it was a really cool night and uh you know it was a great opportunity because i driven by you know the alberta sports hall of fame many times uh going up to qew uh you know, back and forth. So it was nice to get in there and and, uh, see all the really cool stuff they have. When you're at an event like that, Theo, 
And, you know, you, you played in the NHL, so you're one of the bigger names there. But but I know a lot of people were honored. I was even talking to um, someone from Basketball Alberta the other night. You know, Phil Allen was honored, who was a basketball coach at Lakeland College when I worked in Lloydminster. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple years ago, but he's a guy I, I enjoyed getting to know. Uh, I, I mean, you you're, you spent your, your pro career in that hockey world, but when you go to an event like that and see all the, the different athletes and coaches from other, uh, from other sports, it must be pretty cool to to mingle with those people and hear some of the stories yeah you know and and you know that's that's what makes sports so great is all these grassroots people who don't necessarily you know get recognized and uh yeah it was really cool to hear their stories and and uh you know how many people's lives that they affected and and uh you know just their stats is pretty cool too, you know, to, to realize that some coach won like 850 games as a, you know, a, a coach in sort of a, you know, a small college or university. And, and uh, you know, so to me, winning is winning. It doesn't matter where it happens or who, you know, who's a part of it. You know, I think winning's important and it was great to be, uh, around the 89-90 Calgary Colts team that, uh, you know, that that won as well. So, uh, you know, it was a great experience and, uh, you know, um, an honor, you know. I consider myself an Albertan, you know. I I played, or sorry, I was born in Saskatchewan, raised in Manitoba, played most of my junior in Saskatchewan, and so... Uh, but you know the majority of my life has been spent in Calgary and it's been spent in Alberta and so uh, to be recognized as uh, you know an athlete from Alberta was uh, you know was pretty cool as well well, well said and I, I can tell you really uh, really appreciate going into the hall and, and, and the experience of the induction night for sure Theo Fleury joining us on Inside Sports Theo the NHL draft is coming up in a couple of weeks I'm going to throw a question at you here do you know who John Moore and Daryl Ingham are? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the trivia question. So now you can use this on other people. John Moore was taken one spot ahead of you in the 1987 draft by Hartford, and Daryl Ingham was taken one spot behind you by Philadelphia in that same draft. Out of the University of Manitoba, of all places. How about that? <laughs> oh, that's, that's wild. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow, I, did, I had no clue, but now I do. So. It's fun looking back at some of these drafts. Uh, obviously, uh, you went in the eighth round. They don't have eight rounds anymore. Jim Dowd went in the eighth round. He played 728 games. And uh, the goaltender, Gihei Bear, went uh, 159th, a few slots ahead of you to St. Louis, and he played 491 games. So it's uh, funny. you know. The, the, there were a few gems in your round, I guess. I don't know what you remember about playing against Dowd and uh, Hey Bear, but they were the other two guys who played significant games in the NHL out of the eighth round? Well, I played with Jimmy Dowd in Calgary and uh, I broke the Flames point points record at the time which Al McGinnis had against Guy Bear. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But you know what? But you know, what? Um, you know, it just goes to show sort of the I guess insignificance of where you get picked in the draft. Um, you know, I think that, you know, if you look at Luke Robitaille and Brett Hall and, 
you know, there's lots of great stories about the draft and, you know, where, you know, a lot of us were picked that went on to have, you know, amazing hockey careers. And, and, uh, you know, for me at the time, every single scout in the National Hockey League had written me off because I was too small. And uh, I think I, I went into the draft having scored 472 points in junior and uh, and so at that time I just you know I was thankful to be picked by anybody and uh, you know fortunately enough for me um, you know it was the Flames that that, uh, you know that gave me that opportunity and then two years later you know we're carrying the Stanley Cup around the Montreal, Montreal Forum so you know I always tell kids that you know are maybe smaller in stature or vertically challenged that, you know, it doesn't really matter where you go in the draft or even if you're picked, you know, as long as you get invited to a training camp and you get an opportunity to, uh, you know, to open some doors and, and, uh, you know, create non-believers into believers, then, you know, that's what it's all about. I got to tell you this quickly, Theo. I got to interview Ty Smith a couple of weeks ago from the Spokane Chiefs, uh, young defenseman, probably going to go, you know, somewhere between eight and fifteen, depending how the the round first round shakes out. And he's five ten, five eleven. And I said, "What's the one thing that you're tired of hearing about yourself from scouts?" And he just says, "Undersized." <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the new word for being small. Yes, undersized. That's I guess that's the politically correct word now. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. But you know what? The game is is a lot more built for small guys now than when, you know, when I came around. So, uh, you know, I think uh, we're we've seen, you know, a lot of guys having success. There's a guy in Calgary, uh, uh, Johnny Goudreau, who's had you know a great start to his career. Uh, you know, the Oilers took Kyler Yamamoto last year, and he played, you know, majority of the season. Uh, you know, in Edmonton. So, yeah, you know, I, I love seeing small guys getting opportunities to play, and, and uh, I think we'll see more and more as, uh, you know, the years go on and as the game changes. You, your draft was in Philadelphia, or pardon me, in Detroit. I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming you didn't go. Like, what was your, what's your story about finding out you'd been picked by the Flames? <laughs> well, I, I was eligible the year before and never got drafted the year before, so... Uh, you know, I always I always uh, joke with the Flames scouts that, you know, 20 rounds of the draft went by before I was finally picked. And, and I go, you know, what, what were you guys doing when you were in Moose Jaw watching me play when I was getting <laughs> seven and eight points a night? I said, where were you guys? At the, at the old Royal Hotel? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, it's... Uh, and so I was, obviously I wasn't, uh, I think the first year I was at a wedding in Rosetown, the first year I was eligible. And then uh, the following year, I just went home to my hometown in uh, Russell, Manitoba, and uh, uh, a scout from the Flames by the name of Ian McKenzie uh, called my parents' house and, and uh, you know, told me the great news. So that's how it went down. Awesome. And the rest is history and leads to the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame. Theo, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for checking in. I know you're busy and I know you're working hard and helping out a lot of people. But I hope we can do this again soon, man. Take care. 
Yeah, anytime. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Good stuff. That is great to have Theo Fleury on the show. Love that line. He was not the first year he was draft eligible, wasn't picked, gets picked by the Flames in the eighth round in 87. The next time he's eligible, he's racking up huge numbers in junior. Says to everybody, Where were you when I was getting seven or eight points a game in Moose Shaw at the Royal Hotel? <laughs> That's a beauty. Text to 63630. James says, Read the one thing you can't discount is the size of Theo's heart. And Old Man River says, Hey, Reed, Theo Fleury, great player, overcame many serious issues to become a great man in the NHL. 1,084 games, 1,088 points. Playoffs, 79 points in 74 games. He should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, in my opinion. That is from Old Man River. I wouldn't have any objections there if Theo Fleury went into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And it's interesting now, I'm just going to assume that some of these texts coming in in praise of Fleury probably from Oilers fans. <laughs> you, I, I, well, you wouldn't have heard that, you know, oh, 25, 30 years ago for uh, for Theo Fleury, but certainly uh, t- time makes you appreciate, appreciate the player that he was. And I, I don't know if uh, some of the uh, off-ice battles he's had and uh, the things, you know, he went through some tough times and uh, he's been honest about them and now he's trying to help a lot of people who might be facing similar issues. I, I don't know if that's a factor in uh, in him being in the Hockey Hall of Fame necessarily, but uh, definitely a factor in how we think of him as a person for sure. It is 647. You can keep the text coming to 630-630. Phone number is 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on 630-CHED. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630-CHED. Thank you, Mr. Sherrod. Good to see him back on the field. Missed almost... All of last season for the Green and Gold got hurt in the very first game. Eskimos at Bombers on Thursday. Countdown to kickoff at 5. Game will start at 6.30. Dave Campbell and Morley Scott will be in Winnipeg. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Hey, I want to remind you that some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Check out the new Spring Chicken menu with spring-inspired fixins. Start your salivating at northchickenyeg.com. That's the website. Or just go to their location and get food and chicken. Hundred and twenty-fourth Street, hundred and seventh Avenue. Rocket says Theo Fleury, definitely Hall of Fame caliber on his talent alone, in my opinion. I think it's great what he's done off the ice to cement his legacy, but to me, anyone who changes the way people think about smaller players plus getting a point a game alone should be there, not to mention the number of games he played also uh, helps that he has a cup. Wasn't this an Ovechkin discussion as well? LOL, that is from Rocket. Sheldon says, awesome talk with Flurry. He sounded energized and excited to be in the conversation. Thanks a lot, Sheldon. Always good to have uh, Theo on the show. He is a good guest. And my memories of, of Theo Flurry are... I, I mean, I was part of that, that awkward Theo Flurry news conference in the 2005 Allen Cup. When he was playing for the Horse Lake Thunder, the tournament was in Lloydminster. I was covering it. And they, you know, won easily in their first two, in, in their two round robin games. They got a bye into the semifinal. They played the Thunder Bay Bombers 
in the, the semi and were obviously heavy, heavily favored. And this was the lockout was on, so there were no NHL playoffs. So Rob Tichkowski and Jim Matheson came out to cover the tournament for the for the Sun and the Journal, respectively. And they they set up a little trailer for the media to to work in. And they also had that's where they instead of doing interviews in the dressing room or in the hallway outside the the dressing rooms in the Lloydminster Civic Center, they actually brought players to a little table podium type set up in this trailer and I remember I was in the game in the trailer before the game and I Rob I can't remember who said it but Rob Tichkowski said to each other it's going to be three nothing 12 minutes into the game thinking Horse Lake was on the way to a you know 9-2 blowout win it was it was three nothing 12 minutes into the game for Thunder Bay and they wound up winning 7-5 and then Theo and Sasha Lakovic come out after the game and I, I've talked about this before. I think I even played some audio of it one day on the show. They gave the the angriest, most bizarre post game interview I've ever said. Theo at that time, you know, I think was was going through some of his issues. It was, I, I always remember it was seven and a half minutes long. There were only four questions asked because they just basically went off, and that's when Theo uttered his famous once again. Theo Fleury saves hockey. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people bought tickets because Horse Lake was there, but they they ultimately didn't wind up winning. That that was a little more uh, combative, and uh, where I think Theo obviously still hadn't worked through some of his issues. It's it's certainly that is one of the the most memorable moments of my career, like one hundred percent, because it was just there were as I said there were only four questions asked in seven and a half minutes. And there were times, and they just kind of went off on a stream of consciousness. They were both very upset they, they'd lost. And unfortunately, I think there were some fans that didn't treat the team very well. I, would, I wouldn't say as a whole that was the case. Uh, but, uh, but that was a weird one. But, but Theo's in a much better place now, and he is great to talk to, and he's an interesting perspective on, on, like you said, what he went through as a player, I mean, he, all the other stuff aside, and that's significant, don't get me wrong, those battles and, and, and demons he had to deal with. But as he said, and he laughed when I said, that's what it's called now, undersized, right? Uh, you're not small, you know, you're not little, you're, you're undersized. And Ty Smith, great example. Maybe that's who the Oilers are going to draft number 10. You know, he's five, about probably 5'10", played for Spokane. He can move the puck. He can skate. Second highest scoring defenseman in the Western Hockey League this past season. And you may have heard the interview we had with Ty in the last couple of weeks on Inside Sports. I said, what bugs you the most? He said, being called undersized. So, that, I mean, that's that's got to be frustrating. That, that's got to be frustrating when you feel the, you have the ability and the first thing people see about you is your physical statue. Didn't stop Theo Fleury. Prolific scorer. Obviously, I mean, gritty, intensive, intense player. That'd be an understatement. Talking, talking about Theo Fleury, uh, grit and intensity. And if he wasn't on your team, you hated him, right? Oilers fans hated him. 1990, people still bring it up if you're old enough to remember. The 1991 breakaway goal in overtime. Messier gave the puck away in the neutral zone. Fleury goes in and scores. And then does the infamous, well, if you're a Flames fan, famous. If you're an Oilers fan, infamous. The slide almost the length of the ice, crashing into the board to celebrate. Essa and did get the Flames back in Game 7 overtime. It's always great to have uh, Theo Fleury on the show. And how about this? Well, we're not done with the big hockey names. Another guy who just went into the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame, Dave King, scheduled to join us after the 7 o'clock news. Dave Campbell will have your Eskimos training camp 
wrap-up. It uh, ended yesterday with uh, a scrimmage that got pretty intense and had to be cut short. And Eric Sobrowski from the Edmonton Prospects, drafted by the San Diego Padres. He's ahead as well. Blue Jays up 3-1 on the Orioles, bottom of the sixth. NBA Finals Game 4 tips off after 7. We'll keep you updated on that one. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.